Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you're a fan of The Opportunist, would you please take a moment and go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show? It helps us a lot. You can also reach out to us at any time over email at theopportunist at castmedia.com. This podcast contains disturbing content. Listener discretion advised. Once he's born, you guys will be in the waiting room. He's going to go to the nursery. So yes to circumcision, yes to hep B, yes to vitamin K. Good. This is a recording of Tara Lee, the founder of Always Hope. She's in the hospital with an adoptive parent and a birth parent who's going into labor. Tara doesn't know she's being recorded. My secret hobby is interior design. And uh, Instagram, you can follow all the right. interior designers yeah. and their posts. And- Most of the recording, she's talking with the adoptive mother while the birth mother lays in the hospital bed. They talk about the weather and Pinterest. At one point, Tara tries to adjust the hospital bed for the birth mother, but she can't quite get it right. They all have a laugh. I'm trying here. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> she says, I think we're right back to where we started. <laughs> okay. Maybe we can get Sherry to be amazing and get you a warm blanket, too. Oh, no, you're fine. Tara is chatty, engaging. She seems easy to get along with and even fun to be around. And then she says something that catches my ear. The nurse has come into the room and Tara is talking with her. Doulas are supposed to act as mental and emotional support and advocates if needed. The thing is, Tara is not trained as a doula, and although she's fussing over the birth mother getting her blankets and pillows, she also treats her like a child. For instance, this moment. Are you a screamer when you deliver, just so we're aware? Because I will tell you not to scream, and I will be brutal. But the birth parents trusted Tara, as did the adoptive parents, and pretty much everyone else that she came in contact with. Yeah, she was very good. She always had an answer, like immediately. This is Tanya Corrado, one of the attorneys we heard from last episode. Tanya and Talia Godin co-host a podcast together called Crimes and Consequences. But in 2018, they co-owned a law firm. They practiced family law, including adoptions, and Tara sent them clients. There was no reason for me to doubt Anything that she said, it didn't seem suspicious. It didn't seem like a weird answer. It didn't seem like she was lying because, I mean, it was literally instantaneous. You'd ask her a question, she'd have an answer. That was it. There was no reason for Tanya Corrado to doubt anything about Tara Lee or her adoption agency, Always Hope, until September of 2018. And we get this call and she says, do you know who you're going into business with? And by the time we hung up, we really, like, we stared at each other and we were just like, oh my God, what happened? This is what happened. 
Courtney Edmond, who we heard from last episode, the prospective adoptive parent who befriended Tara Lee, eventually got suspicious of Tara. Courtney got on Facebook. She found other people who had very similar experiences through Always Hope. These women banded together, and they started to spread the word that Tara Lee might be scamming people. That's when they found Tanya. There are three attorneys that Tara referred her clients to at the time. Tanya, her partner Talia, and a birth parent attorney, Maria Panchenko. And through a lucky series of events, Talia ended up with access to Tara's email account. And we started making a chart, and we realized that the same birth mother appeared to be matched with multiple, sometimes three, sometimes three, yeah, sometimes three prospective adoptive parents, but they would have different due dates. Mm -hmm. Or the name would be spelled um, slightly different, but it would be the same profile. They discovered that Tara was fabricating birth parents, charging adoptive parents match fees, and then making up reasons why the adoptions failed. She would say that the birth parent changed their mind or sometimes the baby died. That way, Tara still ended up with the money, and the adoptive parents were none the wiser. The attorneys, Tanya, Talia, and Maria, also discovered that Tara had been sending money directly to a birth mother through Western Union, which, as we covered in episode one, is illegal. They reported their findings to the FBI. When the FBI is returning your call within the hour, that's something Yeah, it was yeah, big. It was something big. In fact, the discovery of the Western Union money transfer, that ended up being key in the FBI's investigation. They tracked down that birth mother, and the FBI recorded conversations between her and Tara, which were later used in court. This is part of a recorded phone call. It's a three-way call between Tara, a birth mom she calls Chantal, and a prospective adoptive parent. You ready? Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna merge her in. Chantal, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, hi, lady. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. I uh, had a little bit of morning sickness, but I'm doing good. Except Chantal doesn't exist. The woman's name is Angelica Wiggins. Angelica wasn't actually planning to place a child. She wasn't even pregnant. Tara paid her to pose as a birth parent. She was matched to three prospective adoptive parents, and we know that Tara got $60,000 when the woman wasn't even pregnant. In September of 2018, as the FBI began their investigation into Tara Lee, Tanya, Talia, and Maria set out on their own investigation. See, they knew that there were real adoptions mixed in with the faked ones. So we are trying to save whatever adoptions were real. They needed to get as much information from Tara as they could. So they kept working with her, pretending like nothing was wrong. And they encountered some wild stories, stories of pregnant women living in basements, deceased babies, and murdered birth parents. And they tried to decipher the truth from the lies. Along the way, they uncovered Tara's plan for a brand new scam. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist, a podcast about regular people who turn sinister simply by embracing opportunity. 
This is episode two of two on Tara Lee. I'm Hannah Smith. I'm Teresa Matheny. Um, Mike Matheny. We're from Atlanta. I feel like I can take this part, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, so Mike and I met eight years ago. So we were um, we were dating three years, so 2012 yeah. we met. And um, I'm 43 at the moment. Um, I don't even know how old he, how old he is. <laughs> He's a little bit younger than me. I'm 39. <laughs> Teresa and Mike began trying for a baby soon after they got married. After months of trying and some disappointing fertility tests, they started weighing their options. It just wasn't sort of in the cards and, and sort of for different reasons, we, we both agreed on adoption. They signed with an agency, but for 18 months, nothing happened. So they signed on with a different one, a referral agency in South Carolina. And within weeks of signing on, they heard about an adoption worker in Michigan who had a birth parent for them to meet. Sure enough, like whatever, a few minutes later, the phone rings and, uh, and that was Tara. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that we spoke with Tara. She said, like, birth mom due October 11th, had um, a previous adoptive family that, that backed out. You know, um, she needs to be matched immediately. And so, of course, we applied for it. This was in September. So that means the birth mother was due just one month later. Tara set up a three-way call between Mike and Teresa, Tara, and the birth mother. By the way, we've been asked not to include the names of these specific birth parents in the podcast, so I am referring to them as birth mother and birth father. Teresa and Mike's birth parents were both addicts, and they were both attempting to get clean at the time and were taking methadone. On that three-way phone call, the birth mother said she wanted Mike and Teresa to parent her child. And so, of course, that was like this just tremendously like emotional mm-hmm. moment where... I said I wasn't going to cry. Now I'm going to get choked up. And then Tara gets, uh, you know, biological mom off the phone and calls us back. The very next thing was just money, 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 money. Teresa and Mike wanted to be parents so badly, and they felt like they were finally getting a chance. They didn't want to do anything that might jeopardize that chance. Since we've been through this, there's, there's always like the haters and stuff in the Facebook chat that are like, why didn't you read the contract? Or why didn't you, you know, why didn't you do your due diligence, you know, with the social worker? And it's like, you're two years into a process and you'll do anything to have a child. You know what I mean? And you've just been promised essentially that you now will have a child. Yes. Right. And yeah. so it's, you're just like, like I am the guy that reads the fine print that to say, it's like, you know, as soon as this woman says, okay, now I need you, I need a credit card number. It's just like, here, take it. Here, take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically we gave her social security numbers, driver's license address, um, she knew how much we made, how much money we well, had in savings. She knew what we had in IRAs. Tara requested $13,000 to be paid within 24 hours. That covered birth parent expenses and Tara's agency fee, which included her doula services. Pacing back and forth on the phone with my credit card company, trying to extend my credit limits so that I can go ahead and send out this money. You know, and, and I mean, and I, I, we hadn't even seen anything in writing at this point. We just had that yeah. one conversation. They received the contract a few days later, and it stated they would owe Tara an additional $4,000 after the baby was born. Teresa and Mike prepared to drive to Michigan for the birth the following month. Strangely, Tara had told them one due date initially, and then told them a different due date later. When they asked her about this, she blamed the birth mother. 
she would always talk about, you know how these girls are, you know how these drug addicts are, blah, blah, blah. And it's, um, you know, I will share with you, I'm also in recovery. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, I know my way around, you know, I've been through it myself, yeah. you know? And so, uh, so how did that make you feel whenever she would say things like that? I mean, I never liked her from the get go. I think that the little voice in the back of my head was screaming something here is not right the whole time. Mm -hmm. But because of the situation, I was willing to ignore that and just sort of keep pushing forward, you know, especially once she had the money, right? Then right before they left for Michigan, Mike and Teresa received an email. It was from the adoption referral agency that originally put them in touch with Tara. The email informed them that Tara Lee was being investigated for adoption fraud sitting in the living room upstairs with my mom and I hear this blood curdling scream. I fell to the floor and I was like, this cannot happen. Like emotionally, I cannot handle this. What were you thinking at that point? Were you like wondering if it was all going to fall apart? Or? Yes. I thought if, it was, was all it a scam. Because you hear about this, but you never think it'll happen to you. Teresa and Mike were advised to stop talking to Tara and essentially back away from the adoption. Instead, they started digging trying to figure out what was really going on. We started contacting everybody. And so that was our first conversation with Talia and Tanya. They had their car packed to leave for Michigan the very next morning. And suddenly they questioned if their adoption was even real. Meanwhile, the attorneys Talia, Maria, and Tanya were working long days at the office trying to sort through Tara's emails. They were calling past adoptive parents who had experienced fails. Teresa contacted Talia and Tanya that evening. Yeah, I remember when um, Mike and Teresa, they called me and said, is my, I mean, Teresa was sobbing, is, is my adoption real? And I was like, okay, hold on, back up, you know, how, how did you find out? I was actually sitting in the driveway at my in-law's house because we went for a visit and I ended up not visiting because I was on the phone with them for so long. But they wanted to know, you know, is their baby real? And I was able to tell them from what we can tell, yes, there is an actual woman pregnant who, you know, is giving birth. So, yes, we think it's real as far as we know. So, you know, just don't say anything to Tara and just play along with it. So Mike and Teresa decided to go to Michigan and continue with the adoption. So, I mean, essentially we get in the car the next morning you know, and start our trek to Detroit, like not knowing yeah. if our adoption is real, fake, scam. Yeah. Tanya's like, you cannot let her know anything. When you get to Michigan, you have got to fake it. If Tara got suspicious, it could disrupt the FBI's ongoing investigation. So Mike and Teresa had to pretend like nothing was out of the ordinary. Besides, Tara had already invited them to dinner at Texas Roadhouse, so they would go. And that would turn out to be one of the more bizarre meals that either of them had ever had. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi there. Good evening. Happy Sunday. My name is Tara and I'm the owner and director of Always Hope Pregnancy Center. For those of you who don't know me. This is from Tara's YouTube. She introduces a woman named Tanya, not to be confused with Tanya, the attorney. With Miss Tanya Hale and her amazing new little daughter, Liliana Grace. Liliana is the newest member of the Always Hope family. Tanya stands in the background of the video the entire time, smiling, cradling her recently adopted daughter. But the point of the video is to raise money. And we realize that we are in need of some new computer equipment, some new office um, equipment, We are low in the pantry, so we're in desperate need of toiletries. So we thought, what better way to get what we need than by doing a fundraiser? She announces a raffle. Tickets are $20 a piece, or three for 50. And we really appreciate all of the support throughout this. We can't keep going and doing the work that we do and merging families like this one without your help. And then at the end, Tara turns to Tanya to allow her to chime in. Tanya doesn't really seem like she wants to be in the video. It feels kind of like a favor to Tara. After all, Tara facilitated her adoption, and here she was holding her new baby. Just wanted to say thank you to Always Hope for making dreams come true. Right here on her YouTube page is proof that adoptions did succeed through Always Hope. And for prospective adoptive parents, this proof was key. It's how Tara got away with so much. The continual expenses that cropped up. Telling people inconsistent due dates. Sending out incorrect contracts or no contract at all. She was unorganized and chaotic. But what did it matter if you ended up with a baby in the end? In a way, it's the perfect scam because as long as there's like this belief that at the end of the road, there's going to be a baby, you don't want to do anything that's going to upset the apple cart. Teresa and Mike arrived in Michigan. The next day, they met Tara and the birth parents at Texas Roadhouse. Which Tara told us was their favorite restaurant ever. They were relieved to see that the birth mother was very real and very pregnant. They said they immediately liked the birth parents. But... That dinner was awkward. Tara controlled everything. She didn't try. She did. I mean, it was like any time that we started to ask anything that was like personal, it was like Tara would sort of wedge her way in. Like you would ask the birth mom, you would ask her like, hey, whatever. Wait, so you're due next week. And she would be like, and, and she, she like, actually well, the said that said, the doctor and... said I'm not due, you know, until so-and-so. And Tara's like, that's not true. You know, he told you that you're, you're due next week. Right. And then it would you be know? like the... They kick you under the table. You know how these girls are. Like, yeah. I can't tell you how many times mm-hmm. you know. And, like, yeah, it's like, and she was clearly, like, this was her market of these women who are um, in recovery, and mm-hmm. they're not, I don't want to say in the right mind, but they're vulnerable. Well, she was, I mean, on. let's be honest, she was picking girls off at the methadone clinic. Like, that was, like, her thing. Like, she figured out real quick that they just wanted to make a couple bucks, you know what I mean? And so she would promise them the world, and then she wouldn't deliver either. 
It was later confirmed that Tara was advertising her services at a local methadone clinic. That evening at the Texas Roadhouse, Mike and Teresa knew that Tara was involved with some kind of fraud, but they didn't know the extent of it yet. So let me just get paint a picture for you. She has on a Lululemon sweatsuit. Her nails are like 10 feet long, diamond-covered nails, fake eyelashes, Prada reading glasses on. What else? She had a like a $3,000 Louis bag. She pulls up in like a... Pretty good for a social worker. Huh? Yeah, a, she, I think she had a tie. And I am fuming. And that evening, Tara tried to get Mike and Teresa to give her more money. She was trying to get us to donate to her Africa fund. Tara had just returned from a trip to Ghana. She wrote about it on her blog. She volunteered with an educational charity there. And when she got back, she created a GoFundMe page to raise money to build a school in Ghana. It was like in the middle of dinner, she took a phone call. Uh, Hello? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she got off the phone and was like, oh, that's so great. Some of my APs, you yeah, know, adoptive parents, APs, you'll hear that term. Yeah. Some of my some of my APs just uh, just committed to give $40,000 for a school that I'm building in Africa. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, that that was really her an AP on the phone? No. No. I don't even think she was on the phone. She wasn't on the phone. Later, they found out that the birth parents didn't even like Texas Roadhouse. But Tara did. In fact, at the end of the meal, she ordered additional food to take home with her. Mike and Teresa picked up the tab. The dinner at Texas Roadhouse was on a Tuesday night. The next night, on Wednesday, the birth mother had a medical scare. She was waiting in the car while the birth father was in a store, and she passed out. Someone saw her and called 911. Uh, it turns out that, uh, that she had preeclampsia, and that was, the, uh, that was the catalyst of getting her to the hospital. I'm literally like keys in hand, like, just tell me where to be and I will go get her and take her to the hospital wherever she needs to be. And Tara's telling me, no, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And they come to find out later that Tara Ubered her, right? Like, like hours later, you know, mm-hmm. in a potentially life-threatening situation. The birth mother went into early labor because of the preeclampsia. Teresa, Mike, and Tara waited at the hospital. And while they were in the room with the birth mother, Teresa took this recording of Tara whispering to her. You have a band. Hmm? You have a band to me. I have a band? A band. Okay, yeah, yeah. I have that. You know I'm broker. I have to get him to transfer money. Is it okay if it's not tomorrow, like the next day or something? They're all going to want it tomorrow. Okay. Tara says, you have a balance to me of $4,000. And the baby wasn't even born yet. The next day, October 25th, 2018, the baby was born. And I'm not even shitting you. She basically had her hand out and was like, so about that $4,000. The problem was Mike and Teresa could not legally pay Tara. I spoke to an attorney who told us that at this point, because we knew that there was an investigation and we knew that Tara was committing fraud, if we knowingly paid her for services that we knew were not going to be rendered, then we would be complicit in fraud and that could potentially like derail our adoption. Tara wanted her money. She was calling and texting them. And when she wasn't paid, she reached out to the attorneys, Tanya and Talia, who, as a reminder, were still pretending like they didn't know about the FBI investigation. This is Tanya. I remember Tara 
telling me like they're acting really weird and you know she's texting me she's like what's the matter with them and she's like and they won't pay me and I'm like oh I'm sure you know I'm just what the hell am I gonna say right and I'm like well I'm sure I'm sure they'll get to it you're gonna get paid Tara don't worry about it you know and I was trying to just slough it off as like oh they're probably just in shock because the baby's here and they've got a lot on their plate and this that and the other thing so it was just kind of but then she tried to sabotage yeah she did adoption She's once she didn't get her money and it kept taking longer because we kept making up excuses about banking issues. She started texting us three attorneys saying that she didn't think Teresa and Mike were fit to adopt. If they can't afford to pay her, then how can they afford a baby? And she went to the birth mom and she said that to the birth mom. If Tara could convince the birth parents that Mike and Teresa were unfit to adopt, then she could match the baby with a new set of adoptive parents. And then instead of getting that $4,000 that Mike and Teresa owed her, she would get an entirely new match fee of $10,000. Fortunately, Mike and Teresa had built a good relationship with the birth parents by this point. The birth parents wanted to proceed with the adoption. Mike and Teresa have a son named Sam, and they're still in contact with the birth parents. They did eventually realize just how little of the money that they paid Tara went to the birth parents. They were behind a month's rent. And it was like, you know, after biological mom gets out of the hospital, she calls me and says, I just got this notice from the power company saying that we were scheduled for disconnect two weeks ago. With help from an attorney, Mike and Teresa were able to set up a fund for the birth parents to back pay their rent and bills that Tara was supposed to have been paying all along. Mike and Teresa are unusual in the sense that they ended up with a successful adoption through Always Hope. We have had a really hard time with the guilt of like, why us? And and I truly feel like it was because like the FBI investigation, the way the cards fell with that. I feel like that it was because our birth mom, you know, had medical complications and the buck stopped like a couple of days later, basically, like her house got raided. My personal opinion is that she had no intention of us having a successful adoption. Like, we ask ourselves why. It's like once we have, I don't even know that we even have all the information, but once we have the information that we have, I really think that, the, that we just got lucky. On November 9th, 2018, the FBI raided Tara Lee's home. They seized her laptop, two cell phones, business records, and most importantly, a stack of adoption profile books of hopeful adoptive parents. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.
Because Tara Lee was taking money from adoptive parents, that was the focus of the FBI's investigation. But what about the birth parents? I spoke with Maria Panchenko, the birth parent attorney, about the birth parents who worked with Tara Lee. See, Tara was supposed to cover the living expenses for the birth parents while they were pregnant and for a time afterwards. But the living arrangements that Tara provided were often uninhabitable, apartments with no running water or bug-infested motels. We heard from multiple sources that she had some birth parents living in the basement of her assistant's house, and then she was charging the adoptive parents' rent. Once the money ran out, she was too busy trying to fetch either another pregnant woman, another woman that would be able to lie, or figure out another couple that she could scam into figuring out a fake birth mother. And she'd like forget about all the women that were still out there that she was supposed to be taking care of. And when we found them, I mean, one of them was in like a motel with like six kids in one room, six kids on like a really bad area. And they were bug bites, bug bites all over the kids' body. But Maria said by far the most disturbing thing to her was the fact that Tara presented herself as a trained doula to the birth parents. She always told us she was a doula. She would say things to us when we were all, before this all happened, you know, my, I was elbows deep in vagina today, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, the baby out. Well, if you're not certified, you have made somebody believe that you are trained to do something like this, that you have experience to do something like this or certified to do something like this, and you're putting your hands inside somebody's body. To me, that's a criminal sexual assault. If Tara had been trained as a doula, she would know that doulas are not qualified to provide medical care, including giving pelvic exams. Last episode, we spoke with Shivandra. She's the only birth parent that we were able to speak to for this podcast. And Shivandra confirmed that Tara attempted to perform a medical exam on her. So I get up there, whatever, and Tara was like, open your legs. Let me see how far you dilated. I'm like, what? See how far I dilated? She was like, yeah. She was like, I'm licensed to do this. You've seen all the certificates in my house. I was like, I don't know about this. Shavandra was the last birth parent that Tara worked with in 2018. She went into preterm labor in November and was hospitalized. And that is when Tara tried to examine her. But that hospital visit was a turning point for her. See, the FBI had recently raided Tara's house, and Maria Panchenko, the birth parent attorney, contacted Shivandra and informed her of the FBI investigation. From there, Shivandra decided to cut Tara out of the adoption process altogether. And as soon as she made that decision, she started to realize just how much Tara had been lying to her. For instance, she met her adoptive parents for the first time. When I met them in person... I was seven, eight months pregnant-ish. And she was like, Sharonja, I'm so sorry for your loss. Is there anything we can do? And I'm like, what loss? They was like, your um, your kid's dad was shot in a drive-by shooting. And I'm like... Who said that to you? The APs? My APs told me that's what Tara told them. Okay, so they said your kid's dad was shot, and then what did you say? In a drive-by shooting, I'm like shooting, drive-by. It was like, yeah. And I was like, let me call him right now because he's alive and well. This lie about a birth father being killed, it's not the only time I've heard Tara use that story. We actually got our hands on an audio recording. This is from before the raid. Tara was on the phone with Maria Panchenko, 
the birth parent attorney, who by this point knew about the FBI investigation but was still pretending not to know. And Tara was really upset because an adoptive parent had been contacting a birth parent against Tara's wishes. Talia needs to understand that we are asking a woman to place her flesh in blood with strangers. A mom who is parenting her other four children. A mom whose father of this baby was murdered. Let's give the girl some time. Tara was not talking about Shabandra in this recording. She was talking about a different birth mother. But she used the same story that a birth father had been murdered. And she used it as a way to try to control the situation. I specifically told the APs no communication. Let her breathe. And they didn't listen. They sent text messages. My give a shit filter today is at a very, very, very low, low, low fuel left, right? The low fuel lights on. I protect my mother's till the ends of the earth. If she needs time to breathe, then they need to let her breathe. I understand their heart. I understand what they've gone through. You and I are on the same team right now. The FBI came to Shavandra's house to interview her about her interactions with Tara. And that is when she got the most shocking news. They showed me a picture. And it was like, is this you? And I'm like, yeah, that's my belly. Those are my clothes. And those are definitely my fingernails or whatever. And he was like, well, we have your, from my stomach down, my, my belly, it, my belly had five, six different names. She was putting different names on, basically on my body to show the APs that, oh, she's pregnant, it's a baby, and they are giving them confirmation. So at that point, the money can start rolling in on her behalf. Tara had taken a photo of Shavandra and cropped it, so it just showed her pregnant belly, not her face. Then Tara sent that photo with fictitious names and due dates to multiple adoptive parents in order to collect match fees for pregnancies that didn't exist. This would be a lot for anyone to take in. But Shivandra's C-section was rapidly approaching, and she said the whole experience made her feel very distrustful and nervous about the adoption. My adoption plan was for me not to see Jacoby once he comes out of my stomach to take him away. So I won't get no like monthly attachment to him. He comes out screaming to the top of his lungs. And my nurse, she didn't believe in adoption at all. Even though I said, I don't want to look at the baby, how they put it by your head, like, oh my, she put him by my head. And it was like, why would you, why would you torture me like this? And I'm like, Jacoby, it's okay. Stop crying, mommy's here. And I'm like, Jacoby, his name just came out of just nowhere. Shavandra decided to keep Jacoby. It's important to note that Shavandra never received any counseling about her decision to adopt, which is something that should have been provided to her. She knew Tara had lied to her about so many things that she worried that if she went through with the adoption, she might never see her son again. And it is true. Tara told some birth mothers that they would be able to see their children whenever they wanted to after the adoption, which is absolutely untrue. Once the adoption paperwork is finalized, the birth parents have no rights to the child. Shavandra still struggles with this whole experience. She's kind of like, she ruined that part of my life. 
like a little bit for me to trust anybody because I trusted you and this is what you did to me. This is just like I wake up every morning and I look at my son. And it's like I almost gave you away because of like how I felt and the emotions and the feelings that somebody else gave me. And it's like now, two years later, it's still fresh. And it's like me trying to move on from it. But every time when I look at my son, it brings those memories. It brings the memories back. Tara was arrested on January 11, 2019, two months after the FBI first interviewed her. She was released on a $10,000 bond with strict court orders not to use any electronic devices or communicate with birth or adoptive parents. On March 1st, a local news station, WXYZ, aired footage of Tara using a cell phone, which violated her court orders. She was arrested on March 7th. That same day, Tara was indicted by a federal grand jury with 18 counts of wire fraud, which was later increased to 23 counts of wire fraud, and one count of identity theft for using Chavandra's photo. The prosecution, led by lead prosecutor Sarah Woodward, who declined to be interviewed, struck a plea deal with Tara. On August 20th, 2019, Tara pled guilty to two counts of wire fraud. The sentencing hearing took place on February 26, 2020. Victims were allowed to read a prepared statement that explained how Tara had harmed them. For many of the victims, it was the first time they had ever seen Tara in person. The first time that you saw her when you spoke, and how and how was that? It was rough. Um, when we spoke, we went up to a podium where she was behind us. And the judge is in front of us. So I told the judge my story. Um, we had already written out all the, the logistical, chronological timeline of everything that happened. So this was the opportunity to speak about how it emotionally impacted us. This is Amber. You might remember her from last episode. She was matched with Stacy, a college student living with her parents. When Amber arrived in Michigan for the birth... Tara said Stacy had disappeared. Then I said, I, I do have something that I want to ask um, Tara, though I don't think I'll ever get an answer. And he said, go ahead, ask her. You can ask her anything you like. So I turned around and I looked her straight in the eye and I said, did Stacy ever exist? And her response was, in my heart, she did. The terms of Tara's plea deal included a maximum sentence of 10 years. The judge sentenced her to the full 10 years. This was just an extraordinary sentencing hearing here at Federal District Court. I've never seen anything like it. Dozens of families were here. They were sobbing as they addressed the judge. And some of them addressing Tara Lee directly, calling her a criminal, doing Satan's work. The judge called her disgusting and said if he could sentence her to life in prison, he would. I think just having the judge say that he would give her life if he could felt very, it felt like he understood what we went through and how terrible everything has been. FBI Special Agent Matt Krieg did a financial analysis of Tara's fraud, and I spoke with him about it. He tracked Tara's income per year from Always Hope, and this is what he found. 
In 2014, she makes $6,000, and she's only operating there for a couple months. And that goes up the next year to about 130,000, then about 190. In 2017, it jumps from 190 to about 630. And then that last year, 2018, she makes 1.1 million in 10 to 11 months. So the total adoption proceeds that we see coming through her financials is about $2.1 million. Tara went from making $130,000 in 2015 to $1.1 million in 2018. That's an alarming increase of income in just three years. Once she started making money, it just seemed like she could not get enough. And her scams just kept getting bigger. She started fabricating more adoptions. She brought on Angelica Wiggins, who, by the way, was an addict and paid her to pose as a birth mother. Angelica ended up serving almost two years in prison for her involvement. And remember when Tara tried to get Mike and Teresa to donate to her Africa fund at the Texas Roadhouse? Well, I spoke with attorney Talia Goding about that GoFundMe that Tara set up. I firmly believe 100% that Tara went to Africa in October and was going again in January to exploit the African children. The first time she went to Africa, she came back with photos of her with children, and she made a GoFundMe page in which she wanted people to donate. So her goal was $100,000 so she could build a school for children in Ghana. That was just part of a scam again. This was never proven, but Tara was arrested before she was able to return to Ghana in January. Of all the adoptive parents, Courtney Edmond probably knew Tara the best. We heard from her last episode, she became friends with Tara for a while, stayed at her house, worked for her. Courtney told me she doesn't think that Tara's scam was premeditated. I don't think she went into the adoption world planning to just scam. I think throughout the the process, she learned how easy it was to get money from these very vulnerable families who who are so desperate for a child. Tara realized just how easy it would be to steal money from adoptive parents. As long as she could control the communication, she thought she could get away with it. What I don't understand, though, is some of the things that Tara did that didn't make her money. They seem unnecessarily cruel. Like with Amber, Tara let her travel all the way from Arizona to Michigan— and sit in a hotel room for days, waiting for a baby to be born who didn't exist. Why not just say that Stacy, the birth mom, disappeared before Amber went to Michigan? Or for Melanie, another adoptive parent, Tara would call her sometimes with exciting news of a potential adoption, but then it would fall apart before they were ever matched. Tara wasn't making money by doing this, but she was getting Melanie's hopes up every single time. I asked Melanie why she thinks Tara did this. I think maybe every once in a while she had a little bout of just wanting to like, be, you know, like make people happy. And, you know, I think she maybe always wanted people to think she was the good, the good person. And like, she was the one who brought hope and joy. And, you know, like it was kind of maybe a thrill for her to call us and hear us be excited. And knowing she was the one who was bringing that excitement, you know, it's just a cruel manipulative personality. 
that she has. And she got off on playing with people's emotions. The National Council for Adoption has information about avoiding adoption scams on their website. Some of the families who were scammed by Tara could not financially afford to try adopting again. Other families have since had successful adoptions. At least one of the birth parents is currently trying to reverse the adoption decision, claiming that she was lied to about her parental rights. We reached out to Tara Lee for the story, and she declined to speak with us. She is set to be released on October 6, 2027. She is currently appealing her conviction. The Opportunist is a cast original podcast. It's produced by me, Hannah Smith, along with River Donahue and Amanda Elliott. Peisha Eaton and Kate Mays are associate producers. Colin Thompson is our executive producer. Anton Doty is our editor. Matt Sewell is our audio mixer and master. The cover art is by Arvin Lee. The ending credits song is Waltz for Zachariah on the album Show Late by Blue Dot Sessions. You can reach us at theopportunist at castmedia.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.